You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Tanner. That music is going to continue on. Like, you know, Full House. No, I, I understand. I just don't understand why the DJ continue. And welcome to Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take your rose-colored glasses from your favorite movies and we tear them off of your face and throw them down the well. Today's episode is 1998's action-adventure comedy, Small soldiers. Ooh, small soldiers. Um, Big movie. That's what I remember all the posters yes. used to say back in the day. Yes. Do you remember this was uh, one of those movies that you could get the toys from Burger King? Yeah. No, I um, I remember getting those toys and having a lot of fun with them. They were really cool at the time. I feel like Happy Meal toys are a thing of the past. or if They, they still exist, I think, but I don't know if the hysteria is quite the same around them as when we were no. kids. Because I remember it mattered what was coming out. For oh. movies and stuff, because that dictated what were going to be the toys in your Happy Meal and shit. And I'd collect them. Absolutely. It was important. And you'd always want, you'd always beg your parents to go to McDonald's yep. because you're like, yeah, I want to get the toys. Maybe which, if you just gave me real toys, Mom, I wouldn't have to get these little 30 cent made in China things, but you don't love me. Thanks, Mom. God. I wonder if she's listening. Anyway, abusive childhoods aside. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Dad, I love you. I love you too, Mom. <laughs> You know what? We're going to take the next five minutes to just tell us our parents how much we love each other. I love my parents so much. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, Small Soldiers, not to be confused with Toy Soldiers. I don't know why you kept calling it that. Because there is a movie called Toy Soldiers, and it's a movie about toy soldiers. Okay, well, this movie is that as well. No, I mean, the movie Toy Soldiers is about, I think, real soldiers, but this movie about toy soldiers... Is about is called Small Soldiers. All right, dude, my brain hurts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got a nosebleed. All right, Small Soldiers released, like we said, nineteen ninety eight. This is rated PG thirteen. Now, strangely, the movie was heavily marketed to young children, and so when the filmmaker filmmaker was uh, making the movie. They were shooting it as like an edgier movie for teens, mm-hmm. but studio interference kind of made them want to place a lot of the violence down to try to market it towards a younger audience, which is what a lot of the critics had a bone to pick about the film. They they disliked that about it. And that's kind of the the feel that I got from it when we watched it was that it, it seems like there's elements of this is for the older generation, but I remember all the marketing for this. Obviously, like you said, it was in the Burger King toys. Um, there was a ton of other toys coming out. It, it must have been something about the fact that it was a movie about toys where they're like, no, we need to sell toys. I think when you're watching the movie, you can tell that it's very tonally different. The tone jumps all over the place throughout mm-hmm. this movie. We'll get into that in a little bit. Let's start off with some of these ratings that we always start off the episodes with. Yep. 6.1 on IMDb and a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. We'll reevaluate that score later on after we talk about the episode, but... What is your history with Small Soldiers? Did you watch this movie a lot as a kid, Zach? So I can't remember if I saw Small Soldiers in theaters, but I do remember uh, this was one of those movies that we mentioned where I always got it from Blockbuster. Okay. Because I really enjoyed this movie. I can't remember why. I think it was just the fascination of toys becoming alive. Yep. I don't know. Kind of like Toy Story. Exactly. No, the the big draw for me was I loved Toy Story as a kid, and this one just seemed like a more badass version of Toy Story Mm -hmm. while I was a kid watching it now as an adult i have 
a very different opinion on that. Issues with this movie. <laughs> Dude, so many issues. I'm going to get, you know what? We're going to get this right out of the way. I think this is my least favorite movie we've done so far. Oh, 100%. And we'll talk about what we think it should have been rated. But uh, let's just go ahead and jump into it then, unless you've got something else that you want to mention. No, we'll get into, you know, some tidbits and a little bit about the more about the director and whatnot later on. But let's just jump in. The first thing you see when this movie opens up is this advertisement. I believe it's an advertisement for Globotech. Yes. Which just right off the bat strikes you as, uh, you know, very big business. Obviously, we're making the world a better place or whatever because technology is sweet. And in 1998, we didn't have technology. <laughs> very true. It's just they're very vague. I don't know what they're in. They appear to be in just everything. I don't understand. Marinating on it, what do you think Globotech does? Again, I, 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 they, they seem like some str- like enormous conglomerate that controls everything. So... Uh, we come to find out that Globotech makes uh, military hardware, makes apparently toys. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it does all of this stuff. I, we can't pin down what Globotech does. But so, uh, just so you know, Globotech, big conglomerate. Now we move on to uh, the two characters who kind of get the ball rolling. One is uh, David Cross. I can't remember his character's name. He plays Irwin. Oh, Irwin, of course. David Cross playing the nerdy, gentle person, which is, if you've ever heard David Cross do stand-up or in person, uh, he's nothing like that. And he's accompanied by Jay Moore, who plays, I think, uh, Larry or something like that. Whatever. Whatever. These two guys work... For Globodyne, or rather, they're actually trying to pitch their uh, toy idea to Globodyne so that they can start production. Yep, and David Cross pitches these weak little animals and monster things that have this mission of peace, I think, or knowledge, and uh, what are they called? They're called the Gorgonites. The Gorgonites. And uh, they'll be introduced later on a little, uh, we'll get more into their characters, but basically they're going to pitch the this, this toy idea to Dennis Leary, who is the head of, of Globotech, or at least... I think he's the CEO. Yeah, he's he's the CEO of Globotech. Um, what made me laugh uh, just kind of early on in this movie is when David Cross is pitching the Gorgonites, and he's saying, oh, you know, the, it's going to be fun for kids, but it's also going to help them learn. And Dennis <laughs> Leary stops him, and he's like, wait a second, learning? All right, next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty like, much. It is the most... <laughs> what? <laughs> Who do you th- so I believe it's Jay Moore who introduces him to Chip Hazard, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so while David Cross is kind of pushing this Gorgonites, which are these peaceful aliens or whatever, Jay Moore pushes his uh, idea for the Commando Elite, which is these soldiers led by Chip Hazard. And played by... Tommy Lee Jones. Ooh. Wonderful voice talent there, but again, yeah. we don't get his voice quite yet. They play this outrageous commercial, very uh, reminiscent of 90s toy commercials, which, again, I feel like aren't as popularized as they are today. Back then, they were a big deal, and they put so much colors and flashing shit in front of your eyes as a kid that it was just like They probably put more money into the advertising of 90s toys than they did into the actual toys. (laughs) Yeah. It was so funny. Like, this commercial has a... Chip Hazard punching through the plastic in the box and like talking to the kids like there will be no mercy and like super intense and violent and uh, Dennis Leary gets the idea and he's like what if the toys could actually punch the box and you know talk to the kids and they're like well 
we can't do that. What are you talking about? He's like, nah, make it happen. And then he just <laughs> yeah. walks out of the he's, room. He's upset that the toys and commercials don't do what they actually, you know, are purported to do mm-hmm. in all this insane stuff that they're able to do in commercials. So he's like, you know, get it done and we'll have a deal. And so Jay Moore sees dollar signs. David Cross is like, I don't think we should be doing this. And basically Dennis Leary before leaving says the Gorgonites, whatever those stupid aliens you created, those are going to be the bad guys. Those are going to be the villains that the commando elite are going to be hunting on Earth so that they have a little storyline to sell, you know, in their advertisements. Um, so we move on and through this weird sort of process, uh, Jay Moore steals David Cross's password, which you think is going to be a big plot point. Um, but it's not, it's like kind of a password into his employee account. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it's Gizmo. And I only bring that up because the director of this is Joe Dante who directed Gremlins one and two. He's also directed a lot of similar to Joe Johnston last week, we're just strange, like, family fair, dark comedies, like mm-hmm. The Burbs. He went on, actually, later to do Looney Tunes back in action. Oh, my God. So, yeah, you know what you're getting. Fantastic. So, he's stolen the password, yep. and now we get this title sequence in which Jay Moore is figuring out how, what type of chips to put inside these toys. He wants the, the best, you know, to try to make them almost, you know, animatronic alive, essentially. And so, he unwittingly gives them X-1000 military-grade chips installed into their their heads their brains and why he creates artificial intelligence and it's not like so he stole david cross's password it's not like david cross isn't in a different development team david cross is part of the toy department why does david cross or jay moore for that matter have access or clearance absolutely or clearance not. to the military he essentially orders like what Five hundred thousand nu- <laughs> yeah. nuclear chips, <laughs> pretty much. And there, and it's like, why is why does not that not raise a red flag? Like, hey, someone from the toy division is buying these chips. Yeah, someone just ordered munition chips. But again, because Global Tech apparently owns weaponry or, or military, they can they maybe they just faxed it across the hall. I have no idea <laughs> who got these orders. But anyway. <laughs> Also indicative of 90s filmmaking, the computers in this are making a shit ton of noise. Dude, yeah. if computers ever made as much noise as they did in, in movies, we'd be throwing, out, throwing them out our goddamn windows. Oh, that we wouldn't deal with it. <laughs> like, Every single so beep noisy is like, and annoying. <laughs> I know. So that kind of leads us into the title sequence of the toys getting made. Um, we fast forward now to uh it doesn't matter what small town this is i don't know do we, exactly do where know this takes is? place no but i do know that it's Oktoberfests, so we're in yes. fall it's in the middle of the fall and we are introduced to yet another alan oh my god alan abernathy this is played by a kid named gregory smith I don't know now the only other is. thing that i remember him in we're keeping up the topic of always trying to mention the Patriot in this in this podcast. <laughs> no, but remember, oh my God, he wasn't the, the Patriot. Patriot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is not the Patriot podcast. <laughs> no, regardless, that's another day. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this kid. Now, apparently, I believe they the original choice was the kid from Jurassic Park. Um, who's a better actor. Oh, yeah. But uh, this kid, he's classic 90s. Grunge, parted hair down the middle. I have to point out, too, um, this is the second straight movie, and I'm sure not the last one, where we are introduced to the teenage uh, main character through a montage of him riding his bike through town. A lot of jib shots, a lot of sweeping shots of just beautiful (laughs) town centers. We did that with Jumanji last week. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to start checking the tape every 90s. Uh, boy character is 
addressed to us through a bike riding sequence. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he works at his father's store. His father's out of town at this time. But it's this impossible toy store that would not exist today or honestly probably in 90s America either. It's like just this weird niche of like strange old school toys. You know, what I actually did like about that is that if you go to a lot of these small towns and I'm kind of thinking back to... um, some a place that I've been in Lake Placid, New York, which is a lot like that kind. It's just very small town. It's a little touristy, and they do have like little toy stores like that. But even those toy stores have kind of developed into the like, hey, you can get some of the big name um, non-local business toys. Uh, this toy store in Small Soldiers doesn't do that. It is very strictly just uh, handmade mm-hmm. small town, uh, very young children toys. Nothing representative of, like, the current pop culture or anything like that. And so this delivery truck whom Alan has – driver whom Alan has this relationship God. with, he basically convinces him on his way to deliver these toys, these small soldiers. He's got, like, one of each. Uh, Alan convinces him to let the dad store have them. They'll sell them off and pay the delivery truck man uh, back, basically pulling them a favor. Some shady dealings with the toy delivery man. Yep, yep. Um, but the reason that – this is kind of a big deal, and it's done kind of shady, is that Alan's dad doesn't want him selling violent toys in the store. What's also important is that these toys have actually not been released yet to the public. So these are the first, like, prototype toys with the munitions chips inside them. Yep. So they go into the store. He takes them out of the package, which immediately you can't sell that. I don't know what he's expecting to do with them, but, like, you can't sell a demo toy, man. He sets up the toys, and in steps for the second week in a row, Kirsten Dunce. Double the dunce. Double dunce. Double dunce, dude. I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Double down dunce. No, no, we didn't even plan that. That was just pretty cool. Yep, you got to um, double down on dunce. Yeah, dunce bringing her weird-ass nephew in. Her brother. I, I think, think I thought it was his nephew. Oh, honestly, it could be the brother, I, I think guess. it was her little brother. Well, honest, do you know her last name is Fimple? Her name's Christy Fimple. Fimple? <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> I have no idea. I thought it was a joke. I looked it up. Nope. Fimple. F-I-M-P-L-E. Like God. Fimple. We're going to have to look that up. If you know why they would name a character Fimple, go ahead and leave a comment underneath <laughs> this blog. <laughs> no, but her brother looks like he belongs in a goddamn horror movie. It's the, the kid from Insidious. He's got dark circles under his eyes. Oh, he's a weird he Looks like he's person. been on a heroin bender. <laughs> he's weird. There's some awkward flirting between Alan and Christy and... Meanwhile, the younger brother goes in the back room. He finds uh, the commando elite beating up uh, one of the Gorgonites. <laughs> and he's like, I want one of those toys because violence is sweet. Yep. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. But so through some sort of weird thing, they can't find the toys because they're alive. They're walking around. Doesn't matter. Uh, Christy goes to leave and she's met outside by her motorcycle riding boyfriend. Brad. Brad, Ri- dude. Arrives on a crotch rocket, dude. Yep, Bra- Brad arrives on a crotch rocket. We'll get into Brad later. I'm a little upset with the character Brad, but. You were more upset that his name wasn't Brett. We yeah, kept I kept wanting to call well, him Brad. I was calling him Brent the whole movie when we were watching it. I was like, dude, what's wrong with Brent? And you he's were like. such a basic <laughs> 90s movie boyfriend. It's like, Christy, come on. Yeah, he's not even really like a bully. He's just like, hey, Christy, you going to go watch me play football later? We got to practice with the JV. Like, that's an actual line. Yeah, he's really movie. nerdy. And yeah, he has to make sure that you know that he's not on JV because Brad don't do that no, shit. No, Brad plays varsity. Are Absolutely. you kidding me? Brad Have got his letter freshman year. He's got a crotch rocket. He's got a crotch rocket. So anyway, 
He also has a middle part down the hair. I just want to let that know. <laughs> yes. The, the very uh, same hairstylist, clearly, for every character. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan goes home. We're introduced to his family. Kevin Dunn, the dad from Transformers, is also his dad here. Mm-hmm. Just as useless. Yep. And <clears throat> this is when we start kind of looking into Alan's character and who he is. Um, because apparently Alan has been getting into a little bit of trouble I think he got kicked out of like two schools so, or something. So yeah, like Alan that. is a local legend apparently for being <laughs> a terrible child. Yeah. Uh we get into what he did, but apparently he flooded a school, there was something with graffiti, and he also called in a bomb threat at one point or another. But we also get introduced to who is absolutely the best character in the oh whole whole God. movie, Phil Fimple. That's his name, <laughs> Phil Fimple, portrayed by the one and only Phil Hartman. Who's in so few movies before his untimely death, actually. And the, the strange thing is, is he was murdered just before the premiere of this movie. So they actually wow. did a few edits. They didn't explain what they were or how they changed the narrative, but they said that they did do a few edits before they actually put the movie out in theaters. I bet what it is is that uh, he got attacked by the toys I bet at so. one point. I bet so. Wow. A little interesting tidbit. Um, yeah, Phil Fimple has probably – he has definitely the best uh, laughs and lines throughout the oh, movie. He, the way he delivers lines. He is – Far and away the funniest part of this movie, just the way he delivers lines, I think is very self-aware. Yep. That he's just, he's a little crazy and he's a little just kind of out there. He's very funny. Yeah, he's cutting down a tree when we first meet him that's half on the Abernathy's uh, property, I guess. To get to open up some space for his satellite because he's a big tech guy and that's why... uh, Alan's dad and Phil clash heads because obviously Alan's dad runs a toy shop where you're not allowed to have any big name toys or technology and he drives like this old style VW bug which makes no sense (laughs) and Phil's you know got all the latest like massive satellites and like all the new TVs and stuff like that so they butt heads naturally TVs in the 90s too dude you needed that gigantic satellite that probably gave half of us cancer yeah oh absolutely I can't wait there's also a line Later, later on that they're like, oh, well, have you heard of these miniature satellite dishes you could put right on top of your house? <laughs> it's like, oh, oh man, God, I 90s, love yeah. the 90s. So anyway, Alan has gotten into trouble before we've learned that. So he goes upstairs and uh, pulls out Archer, the Gorgonite toy that he had already pulled out in the toy shop. Yep. And Archer has like, you know, says, uh, what does he say? Something like, Greetings, I am I'm Archer, Archer, leader of the Gorgonites. Yes. Who are you, or something like that? Something very basic that, yeah, it that doesn't any matter. toy would kind of come with. Yeah, and Alan responds and is is talking to this toy like like an actual conversation, but he's being such a douche about it. He is, and then eventually the toy answers back and like calls him by his name, and he's like, "Hang on a second, did yeah, you just like, call me by my name? What's going on?" And one of the notes I I feel like this is a good time to address this. One of the notes I took down is. You remember when Furbies came out? Mm-hmm. This technology of the toys being able to respond to you doesn't seem as far-fetched now as it did back in 1998. No, but I also remember being equally disturbed when Furbies came out. Yeah. They're creepy I, little shits, dude. They really are. You were mentioning something about 
pranks you used to play oh, with Furbies? Oh, yeah. So the way my bathroom at home used to be is that uh, the closet kind of like jetted out from the wall and was right next to the door. So you could put the Furby in the counter right next to it and nobody would be able to see it until they walked like a few several feet into the bathroom. So I used to turn the Furby on because they had motion sensors in them. And so you'd be walking into the bathroom in the middle of the night in the dark and it would just go, Furby! <laughs> <laughs> and like the eyes would light up and it was the most terrifying thing ever. <laughs> Furby. So at some point Alan comes back to his room and I think Archer's porn surfing. He's like clicking on that bait the mouse so fast he's rapidly flashing pictures and we're meant to believe that he's ingesting all this knowledge of the internet. Yeah, he looks like he's on Wikipedia, but I don't think Wikipedia was around back then. So. And then this is where we're introduced to this concept where where every time it comes up I laughed my ass off because it's him looking for his home, his place <laughs> where he was from called Gorgon, and he just finds this nature photo that he's convinced that is his fictional home planet of Gorgon. Yeah, and it's like a state park or something like that. They even <laughs> tell, like, tell him, he's like, no, that's not it. He's like, he's like, no, it, no, it is. is. <laughs> it is. Like, no, dude, it's not. But anyway, uh-huh. so that's basically, we're set in motion where all the pieces are lining up. They want to get there. So the Gorgons, their plan is to go back to their home planet, which is honestly legit fake place does not exist. They just want to go to a state park. Mm-hmm. Then we keep cutting back to the commandos. We get some movie references, a little Patton yep. as he's delivering the speeches uh, to the soldiers. Now, what's interesting about the soldier voices, they're played by George Kennedy, Clint Walker, Ernest Borgnine, and Jim Brown, all of which played soldiers in The Dirty Dozen. Right. Also interesting about the Gorgonites, they're played by a few fellows of, uh, this is Spinal Tap. So we got a little uh, Harry Shearer, Christopher Guest, and Michael McKean. It's very interesting that they they take two groups of people who are very clearly like opposite genre mm-hmm. and put them in the opposite characters. I thought that was actually a pretty little clever casting done it, by It's very movie. clever. It's, it's a shame that the characters come to amount to nothing. Yeah. And I guess you get so you get Tommy Lee Jones as Chip Hazard, the leader of the Commando Elite, and then you have Frank Langella uh, portraying Archer. Fast forward a little bit, the Commando Elite have been talking in the toy store, and then they go and beat up all the Gorgonites in the store. <laughs> like you just assume that it was very violent because you just hear a lot of clashing, and then the next day when Alan goes into the toy store, the whole place is trashed. Everything's destroyed. So Kirsten Dunst walks in, and she wants to buy. I guess her her uh, little brother convinced her parents to get the toys that he wanted. So she comes back to try to buy him. He's like, "Oh, you can't, you know, because all my shit's destroyed." So they start bonding over their little cleanup. It's stupid. It's really terrible dialogue. It's stuff like they were talking about Family of Five, some fake television. Oh yeah, show, they were making like all these really random pop culture reference, and they're like, "Well, do you like Led Zeppelin?" She's like, "I love Led Zeppelin," and it's like two minutes of just like them talking about nonsense, and, and then it, immediately they're like into each other, dude. Yeah, but except That's how it happens. except they're still Brad, dude. Brad is still in the picture. We'll get to that later. <sighs> I don't know where. <laughs> Oh, my love to be over. Wow, dude, we should get into... We should start a different podcast. I know. Uh, Zach and Brandon sing 90s songs. <laughs> Stay tuned. Anyway. Uh, so, Commandos, they start pretty much surveying. So, they're on the hunt now for the rest of the Gorgonites. And Alan is, after getting yelled at of his, from his father because the mess inside the 
the toy shop, which they've already cleaned up, but like this little wooden boat is broken. So his dad immediately is like, yeah, no, you screwed up and I hate you. Yeah. So Alan bikes home with Archer in his backpack and the commando elite start following him. And there's this chase sequence with uh, one one of the toys. Yeah. Now, I didn't time this, and I really wish I would have, but this this has got to be 35 minutes at least into this movie. This takes there's a any long sort of action time. scene at all. There's, there's been nothing so far, really. No, all the all the action scenes have been hinted at. You just hear, like, a couple of clashes or, like, some yelling. Everything else is just off screen. And this um, is brief, all too brief anyway. It's him riding his bike. Uh, one of the soldiers attaches himself to his backpack or bike or something and winds up getting dragged around. His legs eventually get ripped off and he does a little platoon i think there was a platoon reference. oh yeah there's some platoon references and what's strange about this is then here we're introduced to another like crazy wormhole do these guys feel pain because he's oh. screaming in terror and in pain and they are as they're like trying to reattach his limbs he's screaming and stuff like they feel pain and i'm just gonna go out and say that yes they do which made this movie a whole hell of a lot darker than it was back when I watched it. So I'm trying the, to think of any references in Toy Story to them feeling pain, and I, I, I'm not recalling any. Um, except for, I mean, there's... Well, there's, Woody, Woody is getting burned by the sun. That's right, yeah. And uh, on his forehead, and he can feel it. That's true, dude. Which also makes Toy Story pretty dark. Man. Oh, my God. Well. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I gotta be honest with you, Brandon, this one, the movie just starts to kind of blend together. So they figure out where Alan lives and Alan is like trying to find the rest of the Gorgonites who have been hiding. That's right. So one of the soldiers, I remember breaks in on Archer and like freaks him the hell out. And he's like, oh, and he shines a flashlight in his face. Oh yeah. Their pupils dilate, which means I guess they have retinas too. These are living, breathing things. I don't know what about what are in these munitions ships, but shit's going down. Anyway, Alan gets a hold of one of the other ones throws him in a garbage disposal oh, yeah. mangling his entire body then the dad comes in and, and this is what i've i've hated this since i was a kid this goddamn uh writing trick that that people use to like they don't see something that they should see or believe something that they should believe and so it just continues to like stretch the plot along so alan's like i you know the toys are alive and all this stuff he, he was just here in the garbage disposal and of course he's gone because it's a but goddamn movie no and and uh, archer won't talk to him no and so his dad you know uh, understandably i guess thinks he's crazy as shit <laughs> are, are you on crank Oh, yeah, they start immediately going the drug route. Uh, again, understandably, because this guy is a fucking menace, dude. Yeah. He's burned his school or some shit. Like, yeah, he's been he kicked called out of a bomb threat. Schools. He's been yeah. kicked out of two schools. There's a reason not to trust this kid, and when he's doing, like, weird stuff with the garbage disposal in the middle of the night, I wouldn't trust him either. Now, speaking of drugs, that's going to be coming up very shortly, but right here, this is when... I think this proves our theory of they're alive and they feel pain a little even more is because they're having a funeral essentially for one of them that's died. Chip Hazard cries again. Now they have tear ducts again. This this isn't something that <laughs> you normally read in a review, but I can't movie. get my head wrapped around it. So taps plays. <laughs> oh yeah, they're playing taps. It's very disrespectful. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we cut back to Phil Fimple and his wife. They're watching television on his screen. Again, he's got a, some fantastic lines, one of which I think is, I think World War II was my favorite war. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just a throwaway line. <laughs> anyway, uh, while they're watching television, the uh, commando elite wind up slingshotting or somehow getting drugs into their drinks. Yeah, they take sleeping pills and they throw 
the pills into the gin and tonics of Christie's parents, which, by the way, uh, the the reason that they're doing this, this is because the commando of lead have discovered that uh, Alan likes his neighbor. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so they go over to kidnapper or something pretty dark and scary. Um, not for kids. They eventually wind up attacking and tying up that kid, too. The creepy oh, kid. Oh, yeah, the creepy kid. That's right. At this point, the Gorgonites are all in Alan's house, and he's refusing to give them up um, until they get a call from the commando elite saying, we have Christy or whatever. I don't know. They hold her hostage and yep. make her do like a... Yeah, they have a ransom video. That's right. Where they're basically like to- torturing her and forcing her to say things on camera. It's pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, this has nothing compared to the scene that comes up next, which is when she winds up going back up to her room. We're talking Dunst here. Yeah. And Dunst gets trumped, dude, by some dolls. So... <laughs> the commando elite have walked into Kirsten Dunn's room and they notice all of these. Uh, they don't use the name Barbie, but they're Barbie dolls. Yeah, I think they're called Gwendolyn dolls or yeah, something like that. And they're making all these sexual remarks to it. Um, and so this is where it gets a little messed up. Uh, so they take their dead comrade. Yep. who They've like had a little mini funeral for and Chip Hazard pulls apart his skull, like rips off. The, co- the plastic covering on his face and pulls apart the skull. And of course, all the other commando elites are like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, puke. One of them's like, like puking and stuff. Yeah. yeah, which which knowing that they feel pain and they like are pretty sentient is like, can you imagine? They're cognizant of the fact that like our friend just died. He's literally pulling our his skull apart to pull out his brain. They break it up and essentially they put it inside Frankenstein style to these Gwendolyn dolls to make them come alive. But in the process, they all get like the plastic burned. And so they're all deformed and scary. It also makes no sense of how all of them are now have this ability because it's like a lot of stuff happens with just like lightning or something. They do this weird sciencey montage. Um, So, they they kidnap uh, Christy with the Barbie dolls, and I, I think it's a good time to just kind of veer off and mention at this point that David Cross has uh, become very self-aware that there's something wrong with the toys because uh, Alan called in a complaint, and he read it, and he said, what kind of chips did you put in those dolls? He says this to Jay Moore. That's when they find out they have the nuclear chip in them and they go to the people that develop the chip and they try they try and like explain why this works in the toys yep um but again no red flags are thrown up that two people in the toy department are coming into a contempt like uh, you have to wear full hazmat suits you have to be desanitized um or sanitized and they're like, oh, hey, some schmucks from the toy department. What's up, guys? This is what we do here. <laughs> like, they just have unprecedented access for someone from the toy department at Globotech, which we still don't know what they make. I don't know, dude. And the fact that, you know, you think if these chips are so powerful that they would put some sort of inquiry into who's ordering mass quantities of these things? It's like they're shocked that the toy department got these somehow. So... Uh, we'll go back now to the house. Um, Alan comes up with this plan to trick everybody. Um, 
He essentially makes the Gorgonites hide, uh, puts a tape recorder of their voices inside a box while he breaks in and rescues Christy. It doesn't matter. It's so, like, whatever. This is where it pretty much descends into all-out anarchy between toys and humans. Yeah, so... A lot of trailer shots here, folks. Yes, lots of trailer shots. Now the parents are in on it because they're like, wow, this is weird. And so they start fighting the Commando Elite... Yeah, this is where like they're out on the front lawn. Some of them are, they're shooting spikes into Alan's leg. Yeah, they got like, like, like a nail gun or something. Or something. Oh, yeah, nail guns. They're yeah. shooting nail guns, flamethrowers, just all out crazy shit that they're trying to legit kill these people. Yeah. Um. So they they do kill the main commando elite, but Chip Hazard survives and he breaks into like what is essentially the Toys R Us and activates all the other ones. So now there's this huge army that they're confronted with, and this huge army of commando elites are trying to like burn them out of their house. Yeah, yeah. And so th- then they're eventually shooting, like, flaming tennis balls are flying around. The mom's knocking them out the window and shit. It's, yeah. it's really bizarre. It's really tough to walk you through this scene just because it's it's so crazy and it's just, it's basically a half-hour action sequence. Yeah, Jay Moore and David Cross are now at the house because they're trying to convince uh, the parents and Alan uh, that... That it's not a big deal or something. <laughs> well, yeah, Jay Moore is very, like, trying to just brush it under the rug and then David Cross is like, you know, we should, we gotta stop these... T- toys from doing from killing people yeah so they come up with the idea that an electromagnetic pulse is gonna be what destroys these toys an emp so and i i can't remember why this would work you have to understand science i think a lot better or maybe they just made it up yeah i guarantee this means nothing but so alan winds up climbing the telephone pole because it involves something with the transformer up there to send out this emp and that's also when the toys are fighting, they're up on top. I think he gets, or they're trying to stab him, right? <laughs> yeah, he's got like this little plastic. Knife. First of all, they're shooting him with nail guns. like <laughs> And rockets. They're shooting and rockets, rockets at him. Like, it is, it's all out war. And uh, the Gorgonites have at this point also decided that they're going to stop being cowards and start fighting. It doesn't matter. It's throwaway pointless yeah because they do nothing they really accomplish nothing but eventually a mini helicopter explodes into the satellite and then uh it pretty much explodes the transformer explodes electromagnetic wave takes out all the commandos i also want to mention too that before the emp goes off uh, a lot of these toys which we've established can feel are burning alive oh my yeah no Picture, like, there's, like, hundreds of them out there, on or, I mean, at least, yeah, like, yeah like, close to 100 or whatever, frying. Their heads are, like, destroyed, and... They're all in pain, and this was marketed to kids. So, pretty much we're in the aftermath part of the movie, where, you know, you get your jib shots, like, oh, everything's gonna be okay. And then <laughs> we get, I think, what is probably maybe one of four genuine laughs out of this entire movie that I got <laughs> yeah. is when Dennis Leary arrives, the uh, you know the CEO of, of Glo- Globotech, and he winds up coming up with all these people. Everyone's so pissed at him for what he's done, and each person that arrives with this like enormous question, like, how do you expect to pay for my house? It's all burned to shit, and he just keeps handing people checks with like numbers, and they're like, I- you know what? Okay, we're fine. <laughs> Everyone and- stops as soon as they get their check full of money. It's pretty good. And you know what? It was funny, but I had a real problem with the fact that they tried to make this for kids and they just like no they don't learn their lesson they're a big company <laughs> no yeah they're a big corporation that can buy themselves out of, out of anything and they did <laughs> like they just like, they just buy themselves there's no lesson to be learned there that like oh no. maybe we shouldn't like just worry about the bottom line because all he did was come in and offer 
probably millions of dollars to these people. Yeah. And what's more insane is that he there's a throwaway line. He's like, oh, well, maybe we'll, you know, suggest selling this to the South African military. Oh, my God. What? That's right. <laughs> what? They're like. <laughs> we don't. America doesn't want them. Maybe we'll ship them to South Africa not, as a as not the military. not the chips, the toys. They're like, oh, like we have friends in the South African military who would love these. Like, <laughs> so the Gorgonites were unfazed by the electromagnetic pulse because apparently they hit under a satellite, which did the trick. I guess. Oh yeah, the they hit under the satellite trick because the EMP was supposed to kill them too, but they hit under the satellite dish and that stops them somehow. From I don't know. The, the satellite was exploded before that, so it's not like it has any... Sh- I, again, it doesn't matter. What does matter is that they're basically like, send us to Gorgon. <laughs> so he takes that boat from earlier, which was shattered, puts them all on this boat, and just sends it out to fucking sea, dude. Well, and what I like about that right before it, too, because he, he's like, we'd like to go to Gorgon. And and he's like, no, really, like it doesn't exist. <laughs> And they're like, he's like, Alan, just because you can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And it was like, Archer, it does it not. Made exi- that is up. a state park. I don't like. You can call it whatever you want, but it's not real. Your life has been made up and scripted to sell children toys. You are a sentient action figure. <laughs> I apologize for what this world is cursed upon you, but you've got to understand that's not real. So, that's the last shot of the movie, I think. They send him off into nature uh, probably to die. Yeah, all, all of them are certainly dead. One, because... Is there any talk of, do they run on batteries? How do they, like, gain? They say, they do mention actually earlier in the movie that these chips that they've put in them um, run forever. It's very throwaway, but Dennis Leary says it at the very beginning. He's like, put our our batteries in them. They'll they'll never die. Um, Okay. So they will run forever, but you got to think they're small little action figure toys like... Birds are going to eat them. They're like they don't even know what a boat is. If they fell out of the water, they'd be dead. Yeah, if they, they're just there's no hope for them. And we didn't even mention really the distinguishing features of these characters because again, they're just so throwaway and and briefly like glossed over. That when they have their little moments to shine, their little like one or two quips, it's like I don't give a shit. When yeah. I was a kid, though, I, I did like I liked the yeah. the designs of these animal, these creatures and whatnot. Well, they're like these little monsters, and I thought what was funny about them is that one of them is like the Tasmanian devil. Yes. And in yep. the fact too that he spins so fast that he just becomes a blur. Yeah. That's a good that's a crazy toy. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Holy shit. That's yeah. And I mean that's really it, guys. I mean that's small soldier. <laughs> small soldier. So this was made for forty million dollars, wound up making eighty seven million worldwide, oh. seventy one in the US. So it made its money back. It wasn't a huge hit. We, we failed to talk a lot about the uh, special effects, which were the kind of selling point for this movie. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're not terrible, and I think that's basically because they're, they're inanimate toys that they're recreating. They're not trying to recreate something that, you know, you recognize or know. It's not like an animal, like in right. Jumanji or something like that. But they're not great. I'm not, I'm not pushing I, these. I'm not trying to oversell them here. Well, I was actually thinking, too, even by 1998 standards, it's really it's, – it's not impressive. No, it's in definitely any way. unimpressive. It's not by any means like terrible, but it's not impressive. No. And I don't know. I don't know why that was. Maybe they just they spent so much time on it that they were like, forget it, just send it. So what are your final thoughts on this movie? It's strange because I remember liking this so much more 
when I was a kid. Dude, I loved this movie as a kid. Like I said, I always got it on from Blockbuster. And, it, God, it was disappointing. I thought there were going to be moments in this movie that... Because we've had that theme through our last three episodes that there are moments in all these movies that I'm like, you know what, This the nostalgia is enough to like just kind of keep me up. I remember this being really good. There was nothing in this movie that kept me just like engaged or caring. Yeah. It, it's just a bad, bad movie. It's got a really uninspired and like just unlikable lead character it the 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 toy characters are just so bland and basic that it's hard to they don't have any personality and so you really don't care even Tommy Lee Jones who I love as a as an actor and I think he he can bring a, a lot of stuff especially with his voice he it just seems like it's on autopilot my guess is Tommy Lee Jones didn't spend more than one or two days oh for sure in the recording booth it was a quick paycheck for him he probably didn't even read the script they were just like hey you're gonna play like a toy soldier and he's like sure yeah like so. Uh, which is a bummer because he's – I think he's riding success at this point, right? Oh, this is right after Men in Black. Yeah, yeah. he's right on high after The Fugitive 93 or whatever. Yep. So it, overall just disappointing and it, it sucks because I remember wanting to like this movie when we watched it. I just – I can't find anything in me to like it. Yeah. I it, – it's points on my end for uh, Phil Hartman's performance. I loved everything that guy did Phil in this movie. Was really he's fantastic. It's, uh, you know, it's not terribly long, but at the same time, you feel the 106 or 7 minutes that it is, like... Uh, by the end of that movie, I was just like, just let it end. Yeah. I mean, and, and the plot starts to blend together. It's it's There's essentially one or two plot points, and then I think just a bunch of, like, hey, we gotta add some time to this. Yeah. And they just write in, like, these brief action sequences or these terrible, like, few minutes of dialogue that don't make any sense. So just meh. I think had they either gone for a softer PG version of this movie where it's more dedicated or kid-oriented, kid-friendly, maybe a little more jokes, a little more laughs, and you kind of play up the absurdity of it all, I think you can forgive some of its, you know, some of the the lacking parts of its story. But to go this weird PG-13 route where they don't push the PG-13 that hard, though, because there could have been a lot more violence, a lot more sexuality or language and stuff like that. It's not a lot. And so it gets left in this weird middle ground where it's like, who is this for? I guess it's for teens, but like... You can definitely tell that this movie was caught in that trap of we want to make this movie that is for maybe some younger people, kind of an adult toy story, um, you know, just sort of that response to it. But it got caught up in this, we need to sell toys with this. Mm -hmm. We need to sell uh, whatever the Burger King equivalent of Happy Meals were at the time. (laughs) Can't remember. Um, And so it's just, it's disappointing because I feel like it probably could have been more. I don't think there's ever a point where this becomes a good movie, but I think it could have been better than bad. Yeah. And we should mention before we leave, this is Stan Winston doing the effects here. The practical effects of the toys when they're uh, – it's not bad. They pretty much just recreate just toys, though. It's no more impressive than just a talking toy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Stan Winston. Very interesting. All right. So you said the Rotten Tomato rating was 48, a 48. 48. I'm going to go a solid – I'm going to go with a 30. I'll go a 30. 30. Phil Hartman gets me to it for 30. All right. Um, I'm going to say like a 25 probably. Yeah. I mean even – Last week I did this where it was kind of like, you know, there were some pits where I thought it made it better. But even in this, I like the 25% is probably just for the Phil Hartman. And yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree with you. And uh, 
Dennis Leary's like one or two funny lines in this movie, but uh, there's really nothing for me in this movie. So I think of 25 probably for me. All right, man. Well, uh, a little hint at next week's episode. We're going to 1993. Free Willy. Oh my God, Free Willy. Do you remember watching Free Willy? I can't tell. Free Willy is by far the movie I've watched the most here. I haven't seen it, though, in a good probably eight or ten years. So we'll talk about this next week, but I had all three Free Willies, and I had the little, like, necklace that he wears (laughs) that's got, like, the little clay whale whale. on it. I think it, like, came with the third VHS or something Dude, like that. all I remember is Jesse is an absolute asshole in that first movie. I remember nothing about any of these movies all right, other dude. than a whale at one point jumps a wall. Crazy. Dude, I get I can't wait. I'm so excited. About no, this, I'm this so will excited. Be a great We're going to have a great episode. So uh, we want to thank everyone who's been uh, sharing, subscribing, and liking. Please tell a friend. Tell your enemy. Tell just people about the show. Get them hooked on it. It helps us. Tell your mother. Tell that guy who's looking out your window right now. Yeah, that guy come over on, there. Yeah, come on in. Listen to this episode with me. Don't chop my face off. And, and we also want to stress, to that um, uh, please call the network. Um, because the network, they're threatening us with a lawsuit. I didn't want to bring it up. I don't want to bring up our demons, but the network is threatening us with a lawsuit. It's not looking good for us. We need your support now more than ever. I have not filed an official police report yet, but two of my cats are dead. Oh my God. I Dead animals are all over my apartment. I don't own any animals. But thanks for listening to us, everybody. Uh, tune in next week for another great episode of Nostalgia Be Damn. Brandon, do you have any party words? Uh, not really. <laughs> All right. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good day or night or whatever you're doing. Peace. Peace.